love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, guess what this week is for me? Do you know? Haley, I do know because you told me, but also because I've seen some murmurings on the Instagram of other people going and racing. It's race week for you. It is. And I realized that was like the most selfish way to pose an intro question. Be like, what, <laughs> what is happening this week in my life, Alyssa? Do you know? But, you know, that's how I roll around here. But yes, I'm racing the LA Triathlon this weekend in Los Angeles. It is an Olympic distance non-draft race. And Alyssa, this is actually my first ever pro Olympic distance race. Can you believe that? Like this many years into my career and I still have a first. I can believe that because Haley, I feel like right when we turned pro was basically when Olympic distance racing really started going, like a lot of the races were disappearing and like what kind of did exist was really for those athletes, like who were really hyper-focused and the fields were pretty big, right? So there probably wasn't a good reason for us to have jumped into like a pro Olympic distance race before. Um, just cause there weren't too many, but this one, like I got the information about it. It's, I feel like it's like well-timed racing in LA would be super fun. I'm bummed that I'm not in shape to be racing with you all, but, uh, my s- sister does live in LA now. So I'm going to hopefully get her to maybe head out on court. I'm going to have to give her a lot of information and instructions, which I'm not sure will come across great considering I'm just going to be looking things up on the internet and trying to tell her like the best attack plan. But I'm really hopeful that one of the Gadeski girls will be out there cheering for you uh, this weekend. All right. I will take the cheers. I, you said your sister moved to Venice Beach, right? Which is where the swim is. So oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a fun point-to-point race, but we actually swim at Venice Beach. So maybe she can just like salt her on down there for her like eat morning stroll and watch the ocean swim. And then we ride into Los Angeles and then like run around downtown LA. So we get to like a whole tour. I'm like, and you know, I love races like this where it kind of reminds me of like the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta where you're like running down a main drag and basically you're going way faster than you ever would if the street was actually open to traffic. I imagine that's how it's going to be in LA too, where it's like, hey, I could never get this far 24 miles in this little amount of time in normal circumstances because there's usually a lot of traffic. But hey, sometimes it pays off to be self-powered on the bike or the run. I think sauntering down to the swim is like exactly my sister's style. So I'm going to let her know that she can she can do that and give you some cheers. I'll let her know that you will be in that front of the swim pack coming out. So you'll be easy to find and she'll have her like cheering duties done pretty early. Um, but I am I'm jealous that the it goes into L.A. and you you'll get to ride and run all through the city. I actually really like L.A. And if people know me, they know I'm not a city person at all, but I, I, for whatever reason, I really love LA. Um, I almost went to school at UCLA when I transferred from Navy, it came down to UCLA or UVA and I ended up staying on the East coast, but I've always had that like twinge of like, man, what would my life have been like? Had I gone to UCLA? Like, would I just be 
Miley Cyrus bopping around LA right now, like, I don't know, doing something much different than professional triathlon. (laughs) That's so fascinating because I did not look at UCLA when I was coming out of high school, but having spent time in Southern California now, I'm like, I think if I had my current maturity when I was 18 years old, I would have definitely looked into it. I know they had an incredible women's swimming program. Cindy Gallagher was a coach there. I just feel like it was like, it's, it's totally right up my alley as a 36 year old, as an 18 year old, I did not have that kind of like insight into me as a person. And the university of Georgia was probably the right place for me at that time. But I agree. Like there's something about that. SoCal sunshine, plus you have the mountains, plus, you know, the ocean and beach. I mean, it's, there's, there's a reason why so many people live there. So there is traffic, but I think maybe it's worth it. Yes. So I'm really excited to hear how that race goes for you, Haley. Um, Olympic distance is going to be pretty different than obviously if you haven't raced a pro Olympic distance too. So are there specific things that you're kind of getting ready this week and prep for that? Oh gosh. I know I need to be working on my transitions, Alyssa, and it is a little bit warmer here in Bozeman now. So I feel like I could take the bike out and, you know, try working on some mounts and dismounts. Those are definitely not my forte as a primarily Ironman distance, 70.3 athlete. Um, I'm, I'm like crossing my fingers for like a very choppy swim since, you know, the swim is a little bit longer. I do feel like ocean swimming is, is a strong suit of mine, you know, just, I mean, no reason other than just being able to say that (laughs) I just believe it. Um, you know, and then I'm also just kind of enjoying the idea of being done in just a couple hours, like in done in time to go get like brunch, which is not typical of our races. I mean, last time you and I raced together, well, the race started at 5am, but we were done. Like I, you know, we made it to dinner, but I was, you know, (laughs) Ironman is a different animal. So, you know, hopefully there's time for some beach time post-race, which would be very, very fun. Oh, well, I'm excited to hear all about it and race hard, rest up. I feel like it's, it's going to be a shorter race, but it's yeah, going to be much harder effort than you're used to packing into a couple hours. So I feel like the rest factor is like, is still quite large for, for a race like this. I was also just realizing, I'm like, I probably shouldn't wear socks, huh? On the run. Like (laughs) most, when I watch like, yeah, when I watch like the ITU athletes, they're never putting on socks. And so I've, you know, it's, uh, it's been a long, long time since I ever tried running without socks. Do you, do you put it like baby powder in your shoes or like, are there any tips? Oh, chamois cream. Will that work? (laughs) I I bet you could do some betwixt maybe just on your toes or something, but I wouldn't go too crazy because you don't want your feet sliding out of the shoes too. Oh, you're I right. would almost just say, are you racing soon after this? Do you have something? Are you allowed to think so. Okay. Just so, deal with the blisters. Would, yeah. the next if you day. don't have like a race coming up the next week, I would just, you'll be fine to race. And then like, as soon as you stop, you might be like, Oh my God, my heel is like coming off or something. And then you'll have plenty of time to heal that. So, I mean, do you um, think people will recognize me if I don't have like hot pink crew socks or like neon green crew socks? I'm like, I just like, I don't even know who I am without socks on. I don't, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> but I think, I think it's probably worth it though. It's still, worth it for the race. Yeah, you have to, yeah. Don't put socks on, please don't. And <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what else the race belt, like you'll, 
make sure you practice like jumping into the race belt really fast, holding the sparkle head. Don't forget you have time to put on the sparkle headband. So make sure the sparkle headband goes on. (laughs) I can maybe do that while running, but yeah, this is a different, different experience, but Hey, I mean, it's, it's great to still have some first left and you know, I'm, I'm excited to just go out there and see what I can do. (laughs) And I think based on the start list, I think there's going to be a lot of women in your position, just kind of seeing like, all right, let's see what happens here. Because it sounds like this is a tune up for, uh, a lot of women who are racing, maybe Ironman Florida. So, or not a lot, but a few, a handful of women who are racing Ironman Florida. So just to get back into, into the racing game and, you know, have a hard effort. So there's some decent prize money. I think that kind of swayed a few people to go there as well. So, um, yeah, I would say, I, I don't think you'll be alone in trying to find that next gear. Okay. Okay. This is going to be fun. Um, Alyssa, I'll keep you posted. Anything new happening in New Hampshire? How's, uh, is it still like nice fall weather there or is it, uh, have you getting a taste of winter yet? Life's pretty boring here, Haley. The leaves are falling. I rake them up, more fall, and then I rake them up and then more fall. And then I rake those up too. So a lot of raking is going on in the yard these days. Um, New Hampshire is gorgeous though in the fall, there's like leaf peepers out everywhere. So it's actually pretty busy around. Um, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful time to be outside and indoor or outdoors. And we have been, you know, knock on wood having, there was like a sports bra type of weather the other day, like only a handful of days ago, I was running outside with a sports bra. So it's, it's quite warm. I don't think that's normal, but, um, you know, cooler weather kind of moved in today and I was bundled up a little bit. So, um, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to embracing that and I'm I'm actually kind of excited for colder weather. I picked up some cross country skis, so I have a lot of a lot of fun Ooh. ahead of me here in New Hampshire this yeah. winter. Yeah, oh that's the way to do it. Definitely embrace the changing of the seasons and find something new that you like about each each time. I try to like light a bunch of candles when it's dark. So then I'm like, oh, at least this is nice light and it smells nice. I do not love the darkness, but you know, it's like trying to make the most of it. But um, we're not quite there yet though. Still fall. And I'm going to SoCal. So where there's like no seasons, it's just wonderful all the time. And Haley, so speaking of darkness, I've been riding on Thursday nights with a group of ladies who do like a Thursday night mountain bike ride. And it's like intermediate to advanced. I'm like, barely intermediate enough to hang on. Um, but I do, and it's a super fun group of women. My point in telling you that is that we meet at 6 PM and it's basically dark now at 6 PM when we're starting our ride. And so Haley, I invested in a new helmet light, life-changing. Guess how many lumens are in my new helmet light? 200. 2,500 lumens. Oh my God. (laughs) Is that legal? I mean, barely. It's legal in the woods where we're riding and it is so bright and it's amazing and it has really great battery life. It's a little bit of a pain because it has like a huge battery pack, obviously. And so like the wire comes, I have to like stick it in my my fanny pack or my jersey if I'm wearing a jersey and I can do, you know, you have to do a little little shenanigans with that, but totally worth it. And it makes outside activities super fun. So that is one of the ways I'm embracing the darkness here is just I... I bought myself a investment in the 2,500 lumen light and it is everyone. If you're debating doing something like that and you live in a place where it's going to be dark a lot, a hundred percent worth it. Take my word. Ooh, might have to look into that. That's impressive. Um, Alyssa, do we have any mailbag questions this week? So Haley, we have been getting some mailbag questions in, which is awesome. And everyone can send those into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We are saving some of the ones that we have because 
we have future guests and we think that, um, you know, some of the questions will work in these episodes we have coming up, but we, I did want to talk from, talk about this one email that came in. It's not a question, but we really appreciated Serena writing in to tell us. Um, she listened to the episode where we were talking about tubeless tires and air pressure. She's a professional cyclist and she's happy to be a resource for us, which we love. So thank you for Serena for writing in. And she's telling us that lower, I think Kaylee, when we talked about this, we kind of waffled back and forth and we're saying how it's really hard for us to break our like old school habits of pumping our tires up like rock hard. And we, we eventually got ourselves to the conclusion that we know lower is better, but we didn't have much more substance around that, I think for our listeners. So Serena is saying lower PSI is a huge advantage that old school idea of running 100 PSI and Serena, I used to run like 120, I feel like. <laughs> She's saying it's super old school. Lower pressure provides a more comfortable ride, makes long rides easier on your body. It allows for better power production in the late stages of a race or a workout, and it provides enhanced traction and better handling in most cases. It's also actually faster. So thank you to Serena for writing in. And I, I do think like we focus so much on laughing about our old school ways that we forgot to kind of really reiterate to people and reinforce the fact that yes, the lower tire pressure is the way to be going these days. And, um, you know, make sure you are doing that. And if you have further questions, I can ask Serena to help us out with those. So happy to do that. Also, Haley, um, next week or in a future week, next week we are recording at least with, so it might not come out next week, but we are chatting with Ruth Brennan Mori, who a lot of our listeners will remember from our Iron Women live episode in Atlanta because she ran, she's a professional triathlete. She ran in the Olympic trials in Atlanta for the marathon with you and was in that live panel that we had in Atlanta and Haley, Ruth is coming back on and we're super excited. Um, she's going to come on to talk to us about uh, like mental skills and mindset because she now is doing some coaching in that arena. So Ruth has a master's degree in athletic counseling and sports psych, PhD in counseling psychology, and now a mindset coaching certification. So she's like wrapping all of those into one and she's coming on to talk to us. And my point in telling you this is that please send in questions. If you have questions for Ruth, send them into our mailbag this week. So you don't have a lot of days probably before we talk to Ruth. If this comes out on Thursday, we're talking to Ruth on Tuesday. So you have, I don't know, four or five days. So send us your questions. Specify something that you would like to know um, Ruth to weigh in on in that arena. And we'll get you guys involved. Yes, I love crowdsourcing some ideas. I'm so excited to have Ruth back on. And I'm excited for this new business venture. And I'm also excited to, you know, only put like 75 PSI in my tires this weekend. <laughs> I'm hoping Serena is right. I need all the speed and the tactics and traction that I can get. So it does say 75 PSI on my head wheels, like the race wheels I just set up. Like that's what it says if you're, because I have, uh, yeah. So I'm like, Okay, it's what it says to do. I'm gonna do it. Serena says it's faster. So, um, so much good information coming in through our mailbag. We don't even have to do any work, Alyssa. I know, I know. And so, any more good information, send it in to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we, uh, we also want to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Inside Tracker. If anyone is wrapping up their season or, or maybe, they're doing a non-traditional season like me and they're just starting their season because they uh, have a world championship in May. Um, 
definitely, you know, it's always a good time to check in with your blood level, well, not blood levels. We know how much blood there is, but like the, <laughs> the level of certain like things within your blood, right? Biomarkers? Biomarkers. Biomarkers. I'm like, Biomarkers what Biomarkers sounds like the I right a, thing, but I yeah. <laughs> like, cause I don't think it tells you like how much volume you have, but the biomarkers in your blood, um, you can do that easily from anywhere using insidetracker.com forward slash iron women is the code is where you go to get the information. But inside tracker does offer that well, testing service. So you get your blood drawn, they test it, they tell you about the biomarkers and give you suggestions on ways to improve. So, you know, good time of year to do that. And uh, even whether you're wrapping things up or just getting started. And Haley, we have a really fun interview for everyone this week. You want to tell us about it? Yes. Yeah, so we're this week we're talking to Fiona Moriarty. And so Fiona is an Irish professional triathlete. She's only been pro for a couple of years. She did her first Ironman. It was her first Ironman and her first pro Ironman at Ironman Florida in 2020. And she finished a very impressive fifth place on her debut. So Fiona tells us about life since then, her 2021 season and how her training is going for this year's Ironman Florida. She even offers some tips to anyone who is headed to Panama City Beach to race or spectate. Uh, That race is coming up just in a couple of weeks. Fiona lives and trains in Portland, Oregon, and I actually had a chance to train with her when I visited to pick up my new bike a few weeks ago. And so she tells us about why she represents Ireland in pro races and she gives us some insight into her slightly unusual athletic background, and she tells us um, how her past race experiences have prepared her for any challenges she might face on race day. So we'll have that conversation with Fiona right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. The Iron Women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hey, Haley, it's officially fall and I am drinking my noon hydration immunity. Haha, <laughs> Alyssa, I love a good pun and a good warm fall beverage, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new Immunity 3 product? What does the 3 stand for? It stands for vitamins, electrolytes, and prebiotics, the three keys to staying healthy and hydrated this season. Noon Hydration Immunity 3 comes in mandarin, orange, and superberry flavors, and all Iron Women podcast listeners can get 30% off Immunity 3 and the whole line of Noon Hydration products by using the code STAYFEISTY at NoonLife.com. 
Hi, Fiona. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. So we are talking to you about, I think, four weeks out from Ironman Florida. So can you kind of give us like a quick glimpse into what your training is like, maybe this past weekend's training when you are just over a month out from the race? Sure. Um, this is this is the first rest day I've actually gotten in three weeks. So today is, today is a great day. Um, I This weekend was pretty big for me. I did a five-hour ride on Saturday with, I want to say like three and a half hours of it, either above or at race effort. And then a quick run off the bike, nothing too long because Sunday I had a two hour run with a lot of it at, um, at race effort and then an easy swim in the afternoon. But prior to that, um, I guess my, my weeks are pretty consistent. Mondays are, uh, more of a pacing swim where I'm getting, consistently better at doing kind of longer, longer intervals at race efforts. So it's not super hard, but like being able to go at the same consistent pace for a long time with not a ton of rest. Um, and then my hard bikes have been on Tuesdays. So terrible Tuesday, uh, it's usually pretty tough. Uh, and then a harder run session on, on Thursday and I'll, I'll double usually a double run session on Thursday, so something um, long and challenging or like the intervals are longer um, on either the morning or the evening and then something something short and easy just to, to finish the day out. So, um, yeah, I don't train as much as I would say, you know, some of the folks that are just doing triathlon full time, but I, I train as much as I can. Definitely still sounded like a good bit of training and those Monday swims, I've definitely done some Ironman blocks where I had similar setup where it was just like short rest hundreds where again, it's not like you're sprinting hundreds or anything, but coming off of a big weekend and then trying to hit that on Monday is, can be quite challenging. At least it always was for me. So, um, you know, I, I feel your pain there and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad you didn't have to do that today and you got to, you got to enjoy some rest. So, um, you know, Fiona, are there any key sessions, maybe any of the ones you've mentioned or other ones that you have been doing in these last few weeks or have coming up when you're leading into a race that give you kind of like a confidence boost to let you know, like, okay, I, I nailed this one. Like I feel good then going into the race, knowing I can, you know, do the power I want on the bike or run the pace I want on the run, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, that, that's a bit of an obvious, yes. I would hope that anyone at this stage in the game has some sessions that make them feel like a badass and that they can really crush it. Um, I am in a bit of a changeover because I just switched coaches. So I previously, I would say I, I would have a, a lot of 40 K efforts on the bike, um, which is like threshold effort. Um, and being able to do that without the wheels falling off for like a, a good long period of time always made me feel like I was in a good spot. Um, I think right before I went to Finland, because I did Ironman Finland over the summer, um, I did three by 50 minutes and this was at Ironman effort and I, I, it felt easy. That was, it felt easy until I launched my bike and myself into a ditch at like 25 miles an hour. But that was for the most part. It felt easy until I, I really just, uh, Are you, were you okay? Um, I, uh, I, my body was okay for the most part. I I looked like a disaster. I had blood coming down my face. My, like I, since I hit a ditch, it was like full of dirt and rocks and debris. And so I didn't realize how ridiculous I looked, but it was like, you know, mud top to bottom. I'm like brushing myself off. I didn't know how, how like, 
obviously how bad I looked and people still like stopped their cars, thought they were going to have to call an ambulance. I, I didn't know at the time, but I had cracked my fork, cracked my handlebars. Um, my brakes were affected and this was only like 14 days out from the race. So, uh, if you said I, it so casually, I envisioned like a, a, like much more of a small flop into like a very like soft, mossy, muddy, like soft <laughs> thing. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Hour, a soft I know. Sure. <laughs> Uh, it was, well, that's the thing. Like I, if you can imagine a day that's 85 degrees and you're pushing at your absolute limit at minute 48 of a three by 50 minute session, like somebody passing me close in their car and having gravel in front of me, it's not like I made a conscious decision to hit the ditch, but like just hesitating that little bit, like my front wheel was gone. And because there was nothing stopping me from like going into the ditch, I went straight into it and there was a fence on my right hand side. And I just slid along the entire, like probably about a good 10 feet right in front of this person's house and into their next to their mailbox. So I, I mean, I got it. (laughs) Thankfully somebody stopped and helped me get out of the ditch. And I was just kind of in shock. And this guy, unfortunately with his mailbox happened to come home at that exact point. And I'm like standing there, so, like my kid is ripped. I just like I didn't think I was that bad off, but he drove it was a farmhouse. So he like drives down the driveway, goes into his house and like gets paper towels, like Windex, because clearly I needed some Windex and uh cleaning supplies to help me get situated. And I uh I, I didn't really know what to say because he handed me all of these things and I don't know if you've ever tried to brush yourself off with dry paper towel, but it really, it just like doesn't work. So uh, uh, anyways, thank you to, to Edward who helped me, but like, I, uh, yeah, I had to pull all my stuff out of the ditch and rat- I called Josh, my boyfriend and was like, Hey, I crashed. I, I think I'm okay. Like I, I didn't feel I've had five concussions and I had broken bones before. Like I knew that I was okay in theory. Um, nothing felt so bad that I couldn't r- ride home. I didn't realize how messed up my bike was. So uh, I shouldn't have ridden. Uh, my handlebars, my TT bars were like kind of pointing in the wrong direction. And uh, yeah, I made it home and he was like, oh my God, this, how am I supposed to source the bike parts for this? Like we're going oh, to Finland in two weeks. But so. you did. You were able to like fix your bike and fix your body and still get yourself to Finland and raised. What? How? <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, uh, kudos to Argon. They, they got us the parts, but the fun, they sent me the wrong size. So we were wait, like, they sent all the right things except for the fact that it was the wrong size. So like, I couldn't put that fork on my bike. Um, so Josh did all the work and I think we got the part with one day to spare. Wow. Okay. I think this is like a good example of like you, a lot of us, when we were watching races and we don't, you know, we think about the pros and, you know, everything went smooth and their build up, and everything was just like clicking and they're just here at their very best. And I think that that was a very real, uh, glimpse into the actual life and what it takes to get on a start line. So thank you for that. And I think probably a lot of our listeners can, can relate, hopefully not in the exact same way. And I'm so glad you're okay, but, oh goodness, that it's hard. It is really hard, but I kind of want to circle back to Ironman Florida, which you have as your next race. And I, I hope while that, that previous session gave you some confidence, I hope you don't repeat it. <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, to actually answer the question without going into a long discussion of how I ended up in a ditch. 
Um, I, I think for swimming, doing some thousands or like lo real long stuff and feel like I don't disintegrate over the course of the session, like that makes me feel good swim wise. And then running, uh, I long tempos, like I just, I think there's so much to be said for being able to be uncomfortable for a long period of time. That's not like so uncomfortable. You're ready to explode, but just know that like your legs are tired and you can still run pretty hard. So, well, hopefully you get, you're getting those kind of sessions in and they're going great. Um, but I want to kind of ask just about Ironman floor because you did race there in 2020. I think it was your very first Ironman and you finished fifth in the women's pro field. And since this interview will likely air before that race, we do have to ask, do you have any course specific tips that you can offer for our listeners who might also be lining up in Panama city beach this year? Um, I would say for the swim, the swim surprised me with how difficult it was because of how choppy it was. So just being aware that if your swim seems slower than what you imagine, it's okay. Like by, I could have really lost my head. I think when I came around that first lap and saw that it was like significantly by like two minutes off of where I wanted to be. But realistically, it was so choppy and I was about to get back in the water with every single racer in front of me that I had to swim around or swim over. And like, I wasn't going to walk out of there with a PR swim and just like accepting, accepting that that swim can be ch more challenging than it looks is, is really important. And I think, um, funny enough, it was Josh that said this to me before I hadn't even thought about it before the race. He said, look at what the wind conditions are for tomorrow direction wise because the course is so exposed that you have to be ready to like, you know, push more in certain parts to keep a reasonable, a reasonable speed or know that you're not going to be going as fast in other parts and not being totally confused or frustrated that you're like 200 Watts are only getting you 12 miles an hour because there's a giant wind. So just being ready for that. And when in doubt, at least for me on the run, like cruise through an aid station and walk it to bring your heart rate down. There is no shame in that. I, I ran very well because I approached it with that conservative mindset and it just really uh, paid off in spades for me. Hopefully I run a little bit faster this year, but uh, I was pretty stunned with how well that served me last year. And Fiona, Florida will be your third Ironman this year. You finished 10th in Coeur d'Alene in June and 12th in Finland in August. And I don't think you had ever actually raced an Ironman distance race as an age grouper, but it seems like you jumped right into that distance once you started racing as a pro. So was that kind of like your plan to go pro and then focus on the longer distance? Not at all. My initial plan with all of this was to try to make the Irish national team for the Olympics in 2020. Like this was years ago. Um, and that was actually how I found my previous coach and his scale with short course racing was something that I was like, Oh, hopefully this will work out. But like, Turns out you really need to be a super swimmer in order to make those packs. So like the gap between expectations and reality was uh, quickly short up there once I saw how fast I need to swim. Um, but once I once I turned pro, it wasn't that I thought of myself as particularly an Ironman athlete. I'd had my success at 70.3s. I won Victoria as an age grouper and would have placed competitively within the pro field. So I knew that was the thing that I, you know, was reasonably good at. But with COVID, it was the only things that were happening seemed to be Ironman races. And then uh, I, I did so well. It's, it's like when you get a taste of success, you think that that is the thing that you should keep doing. And so I did Coeur d'Alene with the 
assumption that like I had done fairly well at Florida and this one was easy enough to get to. So it was really more, um, more of a result of, of COVID things and, and finding, you know, finding races that were available and feasible with my work schedule and life schedule. Uh, it wasn't because I like eschewed 70.3 racing. I raced St. George earlier this year and got food poisoning the day before the race. So I, I, it was a rather forgettable experience. Uh, so you live and train in Portland, Oregon, but you mentioned you race for Ireland. So can you tell us about that decision to represent Ireland on the race course? Was it just about the Olympics? Uh, no, I mean, and it, that would have no bearing really at this point. Um, it's just because my parents, uh, were born and raised there. And it is like the, it is the identity that I would say I feel the most attached to. It was, so, it's so much a part of how I grew up and everything that, uh, you know, I would spend two summers or two months there during the summer, um, and my, the majority of my family still lives there. So I, yeah, it, it means a lot to me to be able to, like, I hope to represent them and the long course stuff. I know there was a race in the Netherlands not too long ago that, um, was Ironman distance like that to me is just the most, um, it was, it is the most special experience to go and represent your country. So that's why I, <laughs> I do that on, on, on purpose. And we heard a little rumor about your athletic background. It makes it a little bit different from most triathletes. And we want to just make sure um, you can tell us if it's true that you actually spent many years training as an Irish dancer or someone's just like totally, you know, pulling our leg and being like, oh, yeah, she's no, Irish. That's, and that's, she's an Irish dancer. That um, someone would be me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's spreading these rumors? Or Haley like came back and was like, I know how to make Alyssa look really silly on the podcast. I'm going to give her this question to ask where about the Irish dancing. <laughs> Uh, and she's not pulling her leg. I mean, I, I think when I was four, it was the first year I started and I competed all the way up through, I think 20, age 20. Um, it is as athletic and challenging as, as any other style of dance or sport or whatever. So I did Irish step soccer and track, uh, through all, like all the way through school. That's quite a combo. So do you think it helps set you up for your current athletic career? Like, physically, mentally, like, I don't know. It's see, I mean, yeah, it seems like a lot of skill, obviously, but definitely not necessarily easy athletically. Uh, no. And it, it, I mean, Shannon Robery is a professional runner was also an Irish step dancer. So there are more people that have, uh, that have made the switch, but really I think it's more like the, uh, the discipline and the time management like, in order to do all of those things. Like, I don't know. I must have gone from practice to practice in my mom's minivan for years. And I, maybe my transition skills were, were born in the back of a, a blue minivan as I, you know, change between practices, but being able to, in all of those sports, like take in the, take in what's happening in front of you and strategically try to understand like how to make the most of what you have is I think really where it actually applies to itself in triathlon and, and having goals and, like reaching and working so hard for them and sometimes not getting it and figuring out a way to come back from that and still not feel defeated by it is, is probably the lessons that stick with me the most and paying a lot of money for things that may or may not pan out. That one is definitely still on par. We can relate. Uh, Fiona, (laughs) you've mentioned representing Ireland in international races. And I believe you have done that because you um, told me about one of your, I think your first international races in 2018, when you traveled to Ibiza, Spain for the European middle distance triathlon championships. And so I have to confess to everyone that I have heard some of this story previously. And 
uh, because I was a guest in your home earlier this year and you told me, and I already talked it up a little bit to both Alyssa and our audience. (laughs) So, um, but I think you are an athlete who can, and a storyteller who can like thrive under pressure. So no pressure here, but can you tell us about that one time in Ibiza? What happened? Um, and the, the lead in makes me seem like I, you know, was found somewhere in a ditch, but that's actually, uh, maybe my keys were found in a ditch. Anyways, uh, ditches again, come into this podcast. Um, I, so I went to Ibiza on my own, uh, which if you have ever, uh, competed internationally, a lot of times a federation will send someone with you to be like a supporter, but not, not Ireland. They had a social media manager. So I was like 100% by myself. And in preparation for the trip, I had like done all of this booking and, you know, it was really hard to get in touch with uh, the Irish Federation. So I didn't really know what I was going to expect or should expect once I got there. And it was all on my dime. So the assumption is that you have to place within the top 10% of the field in order to have any of your trip covered. And I, you know, rolled up to Ibiza, which is uh, pretty dead in the non like you know, club months and what are, what are uh, the club months? The summertime. Okay. Uh, like, <laughs> we want to go during the summertime when everyone is like partying it up. This is just like actual Spanish people living their lives and, you know, tourists are coming and they're very confused by them. And so the only car they had available, I had just gotten a brand new Trek speed concept. And the only car they had available to fit the bike was a BMW convertible. So I'm driving around with my bike sticking out of this very small car. And I like, Okay. So that's, that's funny thing. Number one, I had brought the wrong, I had brought the wheels that I had previously, but I had never ridden my new bike. So the wheels were the wrong size. So we needed to find wheels that would actually fit on my new 11 speed bike. And I tried to rent them and the old, the Island is fairly small. I think it's 52 miles. If you do the lap that the course was supposed to be on. So I drove to the only bike shop on the Island. And when I asked for wheels, because we can rent wheels here, they like looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, no, no, I should rent these wheels for my bike that this is my bike. And they're like, okay, so you want a bicycle? It's like, no, no, I just want the wheels. They're like, no, no, you take the bicycle. And so this went on for a while. And so instead of I rented the cost of a full bike, they kept the frame and gave me the like world's worst wheels that just happened to fit on my bike. So I have a brand new frame and these janky ass wheels that go on my bike, but at least it was rideable. Um, and then I went to go to my Airbnb, which I... I had booked for myself and the way the island is structured there's like you know where the people actually live and then there's really touristy old town where the race was an old town is a castle it is an actual castle with ramparts and like huge stairs and cobblestones and I hadn't picked out my car yet and at the time the taxi dropped me off at the bottom of this castle and was like okay here's your place and I was like what do you mean we have to go up there and he's like no no cars don't go up there So I'm dragging my bike bag up the cobblestone streets and everyone, like you just hear the thudding of my bike wheels, like as I'm dragging this bag up a castle wall and I get to the, where my apartment is and I open the door and the the actual alleyway up or like stairway up to my apartment was too narrow for me to take my bike bag up the stairs. So I had to assemble my bike in the street. And so everyone is looking at me like children are throwing small things at me outside from like their window because this silly white girl is, is assembling this really strange contraption in the middle of the road. And a piece of my bike had broken off in transit, um, my, my derailleur hanger. And I did not know enough about bikes at the time. And currently my, my boyfriend, Josh is a bike fitter, 
bike mechanic, knows all the things. And I had just like, we had just started dating kind of. And so I'm like trying to send him messages from- What does this part do? (laughs) Exactly. So he doesn't know me at all. And I am already like, you know, really setting myself up for success here being like, how do I find this part in the middle of an island in Spain? He's like, I have no idea. Um, so I, I had just gotten my bike up the stairs and got my, all my luggage up the stairs. And it's like, okay, I'll, at least I'll go take my bike out and, and go ride the Island. But I couldn't ride my bike from the house because I was up a giant castle. So like, I couldn't actually ride it down. So I put it back in the car in my BMW and I drive it to the, you know, I drive it to the local parking, like parking space. And I take my bike for a ride and I get back. And since I was just supposed to do like 20, you know, out and back kind of 20 mile ride, I had uh, brought my laptop with me and all my things. I was going to do a a transition run off the bike. And I got back to my car and I went to open it and I couldn't open it. And I look in my pockets and there's no key. So I I had locked all of my things. And I mean everything. My wallet, uh, my identification, um, laptop, shoes for the race. Thankfully, not my uniform by some miracle. uh, But literally everything in the car. So I, my only options are at that point, and my phone was at like 20% battery at this point. Uh, my option looks like, okay, Fiona, go ride the island and see if you can find it. And so I went out and I rode another like 35 miles looking for my key. So that brought me to like 60 miles, uh, three days before the race. And all I had, I had no money, like no actual money. And uh, I had water and some gummy bears. So I was out in the sun for like four and a half hours with water and gummy bears. And I didn't find the keys, so I got back to the car. And thankfully, I'd parked it in a municipal parking lot, so no one—they weren't going to tow it. But like, I had to get back into my Airbnb, but the keys were locked in the car. So I then had to like, you know, message some guy named Paolo who no no longer lives on the island, and it's his his apartment. So his friend like comes and yells at me in Spanish, and I speak Italian. I don't speak Spanish, so I didn't know what he was yelling at me for. So it really made no difference. But like, at least he opened the door. Um, and my, my phone charger was in the car as well. So I, I at least get the bike in there and I take my bike shoes off and I, like, I had, I had nothing with me to actually like get around this situation. So I call the rental car company and they, they're like, I'm sorry, we don't have keys on Ibiza. You have to get it shipped on a steamer from Madrid. So they weren't going to get me keys back until the day, possibly the day of the race, maybe the day after, but hopefully, fingers crossed, by the time that I would leave the island or else I was going to have like a $1,000 penalty for not being able to return the car. But they said, oh, don't worry, we'll give you a car in the meantime uh, so you can still get around, but we only have one that's available. So when I went to pick it up, (laughs) rather than the BMW, I I have like a, a white, think like you know, going to Christian band camp kind of van, like a really big van, <laughs> which doesn't actually fit on the size of the roads of the castle. Like it can't fit up the castle turns or the parking spaces or anything. So I'm like, okay, I don't really, what am I going to do with this car? I, I, I have to go buy all, like I have to go buy race shoes. I, at least I'm here. I might as well race even if I don't like, I, I don't have my stuff. And the problem was that like, okay, I only had one credit card with me and I had to like, also there was a fraud notification, like, Hey, this person in a visa is trying to use your money. Like, okay, whatever. This is me. But like, you know, call the credit card company and get that approved. But I had to go buy bottles, race shoes, like all the things that were locked in the car. And the next morning I, you know, put on normal person clothes. I was in a dress and shoes 
and I go with my bike and I go to pick up the car and the car is gone. <laughs> the new car is also gone. Like uh, on one particular day of the month, they are doing street cleaning. And if your car is there, they posted a note on the church door that like, you should know they're doing street cleaning and they're going to take your car. It's there. So I obviously don't know this at the time. It just so happened that there was a police van that came up and they were thought I was like, you know, drunk because I'm not in Ibiza and I'm like holding my bike and it's stress. And the guy in the car is hitting on me and he tells me what milky eyes I have, which is all I can understand out of the situation. And finally, somebody that was in the back of this car was, who was a woman, of course, was like, oh, you need to go to the police station. So she tells me where the police station is. And I get on my bike to go without a helmet in, dress. in a dress, in a dress, um, like a rather nice short ish dress, like sundress on your, uh, on your Trek speed concept, <laughs> on my Trek speed concept on a castle. I like go to, you know, go around the bend and go to this police station and I crash. Oh. I hit the deck so hard. Like the, uh, because the, like the cobbles, the, think like a medieval castle like the stones were so slippery and the wheels were so crappy that they just they had no traction it just went right out from underneath me so I smashed my shoulder really well off the ground was like well I don't know if I can swim but at least I'll go find my car so I I only have one percent battery left on my phone at this point so I know that I it's like very important for me not to waste the battery and I'm doing laps around the police station, which was actually also the bus station, which is why I couldn't understand where it was. Like people were coming and going because they were taking buses, not the police station was in the basement. So I finally figured it out and I like walk in, have this big cut on my shoulder and I'm in a dress and I'm holding this bike and the guy at the front desk is like, I don't even know. I don't know what to do with you. Uh, I can't, I can't speak Spanish. I can speak Italian. So I start speaking Italian to him. And like, we somehow come to an understanding that I had lost one of two cars. He probably thought I was insane. And I needed to go pick one up. And so he's like, Oh no, no, you have to go to the impoundment center. And he draws me a map on a napkin. And I then have to take my track speed concept in a dress on the highway like the dress is flying up behind me. I'm sure the whole world just got a nice view. <laughs> I had no helmet on because the helmet was in the car that got towed. So I ended up at the Spanish impoundment center, which was underground. And the, the email address that they had me like send an email to, I had to verify my passport, my driver's license and all this stuff, which like spoiler alert, if you ever travel internationally, take pictures of those things and put them on your phone just to save my life. Um, I had to email the guy inside the desk, all of that information, which by the way, I had to also explain to him that I had gotten another car towed or, you know, I couldn't go into it. My wallet was in there. Um, and the, the email address was like 37 characters long. It was like Instituto de Ibiza, like auto, blah, blah, blah. And Google autocorrect kept changing the letters on me. So it was like miss sending the email and I'm trying to hold up this thing in the, my phone in the bunker to like send this email and eventually, at least we got it. And I, you're still I paid at 1%. Have dollars. you charged your phone during this time? I have not charged. I was still at 1%. It felt like a miracle that it had, it actually sent. Um, my At least I had a charger in that car. I got it out. I spent so much money getting this car out of the stupid garage. And I, I, like, I hadn't even raced at this point. I was so emotionally exhausted from just existing that by the time the race came around, I just kind of laughed. 
and it was pouring on the morning of the race, like sheets and sheets of rain. So first they delayed it by a half an hour and then they delayed it by two hours. And then I ate an entire package of cookies in my car because I had nothing else to eat. And I was, it was three and a half hours before we raced. So they cut the bike in half, which is like my, the strong, my strongest discipline. Um, they had no additional sighting buoys, like laid out in the course. They just told us to go swim around this island called the Island of Cats and come back. And, uh, I, I mean, swimming is not my strength. So I was like, well, this is going to be a dumpster fire, but let's go and try. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a hot mess. I, I mean, the marathon was half the half marathon was like up and down the walls of the castle. So at least I felt like home <laughs> and I, you know, I passed a couple of people. <laughs> so that was my trip. It, it was like a beautiful coda at the end of it all. You waved to um, Paolo <laughs> as you were <laughs> I went to Palo and flipped him off. No, um, as the police I, officers, the, all of the people cheering for me in my milky eyes. Um, I and the day I got my paycheck from Ironman for my fifth place, I got an email from Petra, the woman who um, kind of leads or organizes all the Irish like athletes, and she said, "If you don't claim this." Uh, you won prize money at Visa. If you don't claim this, we're just going to take it. And I was like, how much? It's been two years oh. <laughs> since, since this race. And if excuse me, you gave me no support. Oh yeah. That was another funny thing uh, that at the end of that, I went and got all of my stuff back. And remember it was raining the entire day. The rain had gotten into my um, bag because I had no one hold it and it broke my phone. <gasps> so I had no phone by the end of it. It was, my bag was filled with water. Like the phone was basically floating on top by the time I got it back. But I, I swear, and I promise you, I just laughed because there was nothing funnier to me in that moment than like, that was the way this was all going to go down. But yeah, I got my paycheck from Ironman, which was like in thousands of dollars. And then I got my paycheck from this triathlon, which must have cost me thousands of dollars. And I got 106 euros to your Yes. The end. 106 euros. <laughs> Thank you, Ireland. Wait, did you get the BMW? Did you get your computer and stuff? Did you ever get the keys? Yeah, how did that end up? <laughs> I got it on, I, I went and picked up the keys. The, it was, it came on a ship, like, you know, a la the 19th century. Might as well have been a wooden boat that was sit, like sailing across the, the sea. I They came and told me like, hey, you can go pick your stuff up. So I had to like my last day in Ibiza was basically shuttling cars to and from Ibiza rent a car, <laughs> and I didn't even get to enjoy being in my top down convertible. Which like of course I didn't. I, I I was gonna leave my car for hours. Of course I put the top back up. If I had left the top down, I might have been able. Like I was googling so many ways to break into BMW so I could break into my own car, but it only all work if you actually leave the top down. So yeah miserable but you finished that the race first you did finish the race you but made 106 I, euros i got top 10 as long as i didn't come in uh dead last i considered it a victory so yeah it was the most overwhelming experience i have ever had and i am now you know live i now live with my boyfriend who at the time was just texting me on a regular basis being like how many police stations did you go to today so I feel like that's a, definitely a like a good mark for him if after that whole thing he wasn't like, oh, I've got to exit the situation like, quickly. I, I honestly I honestly don't know how how that's even possible because I I, I mean, I must have been given off the strongest crazy vibes in the whole world. Well, Fiona, I don't even know like exactly where to even begin unpacking that whole story, but 
I am amazed that you managed to like get to the race, race successfully. Like the race was definitely the, you know, the best part of the trip. You pulled it together, even after a delayed start, bad weather, all of that, like really every little thing that possibly could have happened and gone wrong did. And you still managed to start and finish. Like, do you think that that experience has helped you when you might have challenges leading up to races since then? Like, are you just always thinking about like, man, that time in Ibiza, like nothing will ever be that bad. So this is a cakewalk. <laughs> it's uh, yes and no. It's like, yes, that it, it gives me perspective. And it's not just that for some reason, like ask any of my friends, I am that person that the things happen to like this weekend, we took our dog to the park and mysteriously out. I live in Portland, which has rivers, but like a sea otter was in the park a river otter actually, and attacked our oh, dog. Like is he okay? uh, this is the kind of stuff that happens. Yeah. Is your dog okay? He's fine. Then he like tried to bite it back, but then the river otter ran away across the street, like the main street in town. And then it got into a furniture store and caused thousands of dollars of damage. Like that is the kind of stuff that, although it didn't happen to me, like, you know, I wasn't attacked by an otter. It's like random, really random, terrible things happen frequently. And I just think that my ability as a triathlete and like in my own job, my manager has said it to me before. It's like being cool, calm and collected and focusing on the things you can control and being resilient with what you have is it, it is an incredibly important thing to like keep in mind. Uh, I like I once was riding home from work and I got hit in the face by a duck. <laughs> I can't even a duck, like flying in the air, like it was flying in the air, and it hit you on your commute <laughs> on my bike. And I like, I, I mean, I scream, but I didn't let go of my handlebars. Like I, I would like, <laughs> I scared it. It scared me. It got stuck between my hands and was like flying. <laughs> Were you in a duck okay? Like, I feel like this whole conversation is just like, wait, how are you still alive? I can see you, but you are okay. I don't see like a stuffed duck in the background. No, uh, I mean, I don't know about the duck. I'm fine. I did not crash my bike. Um, I Yeah, what anything that can go wrong often does go wrong. And I, I am, again, very thankful that my partner is the, the yang to the the yin that is me, like I, I typically bring the chaos, not that I try to find it, it kind of finds me. Um, I, <laughs> I think trying to just stay calm and understand that situations evolve and change. And the thing that I can control is my attitude and how quickly I can problem solve to like make things not so wonky, but uh, I get a lot of practice in my everyday life. <laughs> For that and hopefully any race that happens is smoother than what I've experienced so far. I mean, Coeur d'Alene was 110 degrees and it started to pour sideways in Finland. So now we know who to blame, Alyssa. Now we know who to blame for that heat. I, th- I thought it was Alyssa, but now I know it's Fiona. Um, but you mentioned your day, your day job a couple times. Can you tell us what you do for full time work aside from professional triathlon? <laughs> Yeah, aside from it, um, it's really what sponsors professional triathlon. Let's be serious. What um, rents those BMWs? <laughs> and I, vans. Did. I did not splurge extra for the BMW. They gave it to me. Um, I work as a content designer at Salesforce, which means that I work on the things you would see on the page, every button, every line of text. 
Um, I look at how we make decisions, like how humans make decisions and how um, your psychology and context and everything that you do and who you are affects how you perceive the things that we write. So it is a fascinating uh, field to be in. I, I I really love my job and I, I actually carry a lot of the things that I have learned into triathlon and into how I just interact with people in general. And so as an expert in user experience and content design, do you have opinions uh, on good or not so good triathlon, like apps or websites that we're using oh or social media so, platforms? Are they I all so, just designed to, yeah, like suck us in and not let us go? I have so many opinions. I think on the contrary, many of them are designed to keep you confused and never actually allow you to find the page that you're trying to find. Um, I recently got an email. I applied for um, one of the, the, it's basically like Daytona, um, the race that is coming up in December. And I, I mean, I sent my application on time and the way my rejection response was worded made it sound like I was not, that they didn't select me because of who I was. It was like the race mysteriously decided that I wasn't going to make the cut. And I, I like, as a content, as a person, when you don't get something, it's always kind of hard. But as a content designer, I'm looking at this email going like, who wrote this? I don't know. Like, you didn't give me any parameters at which I was going to be successful. And I understand that not everyone is going to make the cut on this race. Like, as a human being, I want you to communicate those things to me clearly and with empathy, because you know what? Delivering, like, delivering a crappy message is only made crappier when you aren't clear. Clearness is kindness. So I think when it comes to Ironman or any other racing, giving folks the opportunity to actually read clear messaging is the kindest thing you can do because all of our time is so valuable. So if you are coming up with a race and you have standards that people need to meet, or if you want to publish some information about like what prize packages are there, be clear because all of us are, have, are very busy. They're so overstimulated by everything. So every time you, you know, are a race organizer and you want people to do something like take the time to actually articulate what you mean, because it, the, the effects are actually like pretty strong. We could probably have another whole podcast hour on like <laughs> the subjective nature of certain <laughs> situations and probably uh, affects why they can't clearly communicate why they make the decisions they do because it's there's potentially no objectivity behind that. <laughs> oh, um, but we yeah, talk all day about that. But yeah. yeah, I had no idea that you had to apply for that race. I'm like, I, I don't know that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Their loss, their loss, because you're going to crush in Florida. Um, I want to ask about one other thing um, because you're, you're a pro triathlete, you're an expert in user experience. And if that isn't enough, I believe you also have published an ebook cookbook. So uh, can you tell us about Fiona Bakes and kind of the inspiration behind it? Sure. Um, and before I, I do, the last thing I wanted to say on previous thing is just like, I, I am newish in this sport and I think not, not to triathlon, but as a, in the professional field. And I would just beg of any, like anyone that's putting on a race or even to the PTO in general, like take a second and think about what it's like to be new because uh, there's no way that you can build up street cred or a race resume. If you don't actually get into races or it's really hard to just, you know, get a foot in the door and uh, it takes a while to build those relationships. So opening opportunities for people who are new and don't exactly like 
fifth is pretty great, but it's no Fenella, you know, no Fenella first place at, you know, first uh, at her first Ironman. But yeah, it's something that really has stuck with me that I would love to actually change is how, um, how new people navigate the system because you never know. Um, ebook stuff. Um, generally <laughs> cooking is if I had another, you know, 24 hours in the day, I would love to have my own bakery or restaurant or something. Um, I worked in a really well-known bakery in Boston after I decided not to pursue law as a degree anyways, another long story, but I worked in an industrial kitchen at flower, uh, bakery in Boston, um, for a year and I would make cookies and pastries and pies and all sorts of things. And then, uh, run and coach track and field at Harvard, like afterwards. So I'd work obscene hours from like four o'clock in the morning to two and then run to prep and coach practice from three to three to seven and then rinse and repeat and do it again. So I learned uh, so much in, during that experience, but I actually got really sick. Um, I didn't know at the time, but I was celiac. So being immersed in flour and literally carrying 40 pound bags of flour um, every day, all day up to my elbows and dough was like not going to be the way that I was going to be healthy, but I just got sicker and sicker and sicker over the year. Um, and I finally, I was running to practice and I just passed out somewhere on the street and hit my head. And that was kind of the like, okay, Fiona needs to get some help uh, moment. And I just like, my body wasn't taking in any nutrients anymore from any of the things that I was eating. And I, yeah, I, I obviously have to stop doing that job, but I just remained like totally passionate about loving to, to make food for people. And I like to take a scientific approach to anything that I do. So I really like jumped into gluten-free baking with two feet and just wanted to make make really good food that just happened to be gluten-free instead of like making coconut rocks that <laughs> people pass off as baked goods. And so I worked in a gluten-free bakery for about a year. I made so many macaroons. I just, I can't even look at a macaroon anymore. <laughs> um, it was my one job for several months to like master the art of making a macaroon. And uh, yeah, I just took that with me for the rest of my life. I've worked, um, for, not, not actually worked. I set up and made um some wedding like rehearsal dinner meals for people and i i just love um connecting with people through food and now i mean i i've worked with kyla uh chanel she's a really wonderful nutritionist that focuses on athlete nutrition in the bay area and um i had developed all these recipes for myself and you know people have told me how great they are and um i am definitely the person that goes around at christmas time and <laughs> gives people lots of cookies and food so it was uh it's kind of a, a natural uh, coming together of things. So I worked really hard with, she provided all of the like data behind, uh, she's a software to help provide the data behind the recipes that I came up with. And then uh, we published the ebook through um, her publishing site. So it is definitely findable and consumable. You cannot get it on Amazon. You just have to go to the link in either my um, Instagram bio, which you can't use Instagram right now for some reason, um, or uh, just through Googling it, but yeah it's, um, those things are what fuel me every day. So that's great. And Fiona, before we let you go, thanks for spending time with us today, but I do have to ask one more question because I am super curious, uh, about what it was like to have Haley as a house guest. Uh, I understand <laughs> she may have stayed a little longer than she initially told you. Uh, you know, I think her, the Haley in Portland may have like rivaled. It sounded like the, the Fiona and Ibiza, not quite to that <laughs> level, but it, it did <laughs> similar as feel when Haley was doing I the lost their keys. Portland, no, so. I didn't. I didn't yeah. lose their keys. 
you can't lose our keys because we have a keypad. But the reason the reason that we have a keypad is because who would lose the keys and who has lost? You are a good problem solver. I yeah, you are a good problem solver. But yes, was I like fish? Uh, Did it was it like wait? Isn't my friend Betty always says house guests are like fish, and it's like you need to throw them out after two days. (laughs) And I definitely stayed longer than two days. Oh my goodness. No, having Haley was wonderful because, um, I, I I mean, I love training with people and Haley basically said, whatever you're doing is what I'll do for the day, as long as it's not terrible. And so outside of like, you know, one or two of my terrible sessions, I just had wonderful company with me, you know, to swim with all of the people at the pool now, including the lifeguards are very disappointed that my friend with a beautiful backstroke is no longer coming to the pool with me and that they are stuck watching, you know, slowpoke old me uh, without Haley at the pool. Um, but yeah, we loved having her. There were daily and minute by minute updates about the mail. So that is important. Um, whether or not her stem was going to arrive. But uh, yeah, I, like I said, I love cooking. So it was another, another person to feed, which is like, you know, the best thing for me. I paid, I paid her. I paid her to say all of this. I like, I'm shipping it over on a boat for you. (laughs) It's it's good. You can go meet it at the dock. No, I'm just kidding. But Fiona, it's been so great catching up. I'm, I, I did enjoy training with you and skipping all of your tempo runs. Um, you know, I'm, I love tempo (laughs) runs, but you know, it's only when I'm ready for them, but, um, glad leaf is okay. Your dog is okay after the river otter scare. And I am so excited to, you know, watch how you do in, at Ironman Florida, we are going to like burn some sage and, you know, find all of our, you know, crystals and everything is going to go just perfect. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the last time I, the last time I was on the starting line there, my kit just happened to break. And I was standing next to Joe Gambles and he was like, oh, that doesn't look good. And I was like, no, that's not, nope, that's not the way. I was just flapping open in the breeze. Uh, But thankfully I have a brand new Trace Pinos kit that I will have that the zipper will not break, knock on wood, and we'll be ready ready to go. My goggle strap (laughs) broke in Los Cabos when Haley and I were standing there waiting for our race to go off. And Haley, do you remember that? I like tied a knot. And Haley looks at me, she goes, goes, oh, it's totally fine. I do that all the time. And I was like, oh, if Haley says it's fine, then it's fine. This knot will surely hold through the ocean waves of like Los, Los Cabos or whatever. And it held. No, it wasn't that like, it held. to swim, but it did hold. Yeah, it did hold. It did hold. So, yeah. And having someone tell you everything is going to be fine in that moment when you're like, oh my God, it's exactly what you want. I mean, I, I have been there. I've lost some keys, metaphorical or physical. I have lost some keys in my day. Again, I can relate to a lot of these stories, not quite to that extent. I'm in <laughs> awe that you did. You made it through all that. And I'm glad you did. But yes, I, I think this is going to be, this is going to be the day where things just click and go perfect. But we're so excited to watch you race, Fiona. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. I so enjoyed talking to you. And, and, and Leif is here and he's like, yes, this is the best. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too. And that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. 
Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all-season job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, the Twix chamois cream. Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 15% off. That's right, get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IRONWOMEN. After this interview, I did reach out to Clash USA to ask about the entry procedures for professionals who wanted to race in Daytona. And Andre Lapar, who's the executive vice president of race operations for Clash Endurance, he got back to me and said that their process consisted of a window for athletes to express their intent to compete. And from then, from those athletes who expressed interest, they assigned them a priority level and they based it on a few key factors. First was their PTO ranking. Second, whether they were a high-profile athlete, such as Olympic gold medalist Christian Blumenfeld, who actually falls outside the PTO ranking. Third, athletes with significant prior racing history, such as Miranda Carfrey, who is a three-time Ironman World Championship winner, champion. And a fourth, athletes who have a history of racing in Daytona. So they And they did also kind of reserve the right to issue discretionary spots. So they... Andre said that, you know, they did have athletes who express interest and who are not issued a slot and they're maintaining these lists that they, they put out, they were preliminary lists. And so as athletes decline or are unable to race because of injury, fatigue, travel restrictions, COVID positives, they will take athletes from that wait list and admit them, you know, into the start list, um, and have them race. So, that's why there was a discrepancy. This is how he explained it. Why there's a discrepancy in the number of men versus women, just not all slots were claimed at the time that they had issued the start lists and they really wanted to get those start lists out. Um, even though it's like two months before they really wanted to, uh, promote the race and get people excited. And so they're hoping that by the time the race starts, that they'll have done everything they can to have equal number of men and women professional starting. And he did also note that pro women are going to start an hour and 55 minutes ahead of the pro men, because they want to make sure that the women cross the finish line first and they have a clean race and clean coverage on the TV broadcast. Um, Andre also did note, which Fiona did noted, I think it noted as well that they added a pro division to the Saturday morning sprint triathlon with $5,000 of prize money. So any athlete who doesn't get into the, the longer distance race can race on Saturday and is eligible for a piece of that prize purse in the sprint distance race. And I followed up and I asked you know, about future clash races. Are they all going to be run like Daytona? Is this just for Daytona? Um, they have races in Miami and Watkins Glen scheduled for 2022. And I, I wanted to know, are, you know, is the selection process that four, four pronged kind of discretionary selection process still going to be happening? And uh, Philip LaHaye, who's the executive vice president of strategic initiatives, he got back to me and he said that they actually do plan to have some variation in ha- how they handle the pro start list uh, because each venue has a really different race dynamic and their primary focus is to protect the integrity of the pro race and to make sure they can provide world-class broadcast and television coverage. So they can put 
more athletes on certain courses. Uh, I remember watching this past year, Daytona is, you know, one big oval. Miami has a lot more technical turns. And I think Watkins Glen is also, I think it's actually very hilly. So they're going to have a different approach to each race, kind of trying to have a different race dynamic. And, and that might be, you know, might allow them to have a more traditional registration process this is something that they're working on. There's a conversation going on and they're hoping that they will have that communication out to professional athletes uh, very soon so that they can start planning for the 2022 events. So that knowing that and getting that feedback, my advice to athletes like Fiona is that sure. Yes. The project is a little, or process is a little subjective, but it does seem like there is a path to entry. And so I would, you know, continue to watch out for those specific entry um, requirements for those future races and express interest. If you're given an opportunity, if you get a chance to come off the wait list, take it. Um, and even like, you know, racing that sprint distance race in Daytona, and hopefully you could earn a little bit of money. And that fourth piece of criteria was like having clash race experience. Um, you know, I, I imagine that having race, they're going to notice if you went and race the sprint distance, they are going to notice that. And then that will help you get in hopefully to, to future races. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenging path, but it sounds like they're doing the best they can. They're open to feedback. And I, uh, you know, I just encourage you to keep, keep trying. If that's really what you want to do, I think, I think we could see you on a start line. Yeah. I think the, the most, one of the most positive things that came out of all of that is that like, they got back to you Haley. Right. And they got back to you in a timely matter, which is like huge. Right. So they do want to communicate about it. They do want to talk to pros about it. And, um, you know, I think that it's, sounds like it's an instance where you can kind of be a squeaky wheel. And as long as you're polite and like respectful about it, right. It sounds like that might help you that like, especially if you're willing to maybe jump in and take a spot, if one's open on short notice or something like that, you never know what can happen. So being that squeaky wheel and letting them know that you would like to race, you're available to race, you'll make it happen on your end kind of thing could pay off. Yeah, exactly. And I am as a spectator and fan of the sport, I'm really excited about broadcasted races, right? This is like one of my favorite things is to watch other people exercise. So I, I'm, I'm happy that they are taking that into a, a consideration. I'm happy that the pro women will be starting, uh, first in Daytona. And I hope I will be, um, spectating remotely. I don't plan to be there, but you know, I think I, I'm a fan of, of anything that does lift the profile of our sport. And I do, you know, I hope to see athletes like Fiona, you know, in there in the future. So, um, you know, keep at it to anyone who is, who is trying. And thanks Fiona for coming on, chatting with us and telling us about what it's like to live with Haley for, for a week and sharing some of your good stories. So we really appreciated it. Um, and for everyone else, don't forget you have a few days to send us any questions that you have for Ruth Brennan Mori relating to mindset and mental skills to take into racing and training. Uh, we'd love to have more audience participation in the questions coming in for Ruth. So send those into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Haley, this might now be our longest outro ever. So on that note, I'm going to say, Haley, good luck, race hard, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Alyssa. Bye. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. 
Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.